three, two, one. Howdy. Welcome to the Managing Expectations podcast, a production of the Pacific Century Media Company. My name's Jeff Winger. I'm your host. With me, as almost always, is my aide-de-camp, Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Good afternoon, Jeff. How's it going in the uh, outskirts of the Mile High City? Uh, it's, it's going great. Sun's out today. It's, uh, it's just been beautiful. Uh, you know, it's, it's the sun easy shining. to find with. In Dallas, the sun is shining. It's 70 degrees. It's like, it's like Northern Cal. All we need is the marine layer, and it would be Marin County around here. Uh, yeah, except we're supposed to snow like three inches on Sunday and like a high of 29. We, we win again. We always do. You're listening to the Managing Expectations podcast, uh, where we talk about interesting people and the things that make them interesting. Art, music, books, uh, TV, movies, um, these life-enhancing features that uh, you uh, you might otherwise take for granted. We try to uh, draw some connections for you. And so, um, uh, bring you along for the ride, help you uh, uh, draw some connections yourself. So, um, we're on day, you know, we're on day, t- I, Brian always quibbles with my math, but um, we are in fact on day two million of the uh, COVID-19 shutdown. Uh, you said that last time. <laughs> I thought it was one it's million. Be at least. I thought it was one million last time. Uh, uh, who's keeping count? It's day several eye. million of of the COVID shutdown. And, um, uh, you know, we, I guess we know people who've gotten sick, so there's something going on. I, uh, uh, just, uh, and, you know, ble- it's, it's nice that uh, nobody under this roof uh, has, has so far, but uh, um, I'll be returning to the front lines very, very shortly. Uh well, it's important to note that we know people who've gotten sick, but we've also known people who've gotten better. That's right. That's right. It's a very nice sentiment on a day when the uh, sky is blue and the grass is green and uh, birds are singing and my dog is uh, barking at them. <laughs> you may you may hear my dogs barking here at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, well, as much as we'd love to hear about your dogs... Um, it's, um, it, it is known that, uh, I spent some time in, uh, Portland, Oregon, which is not, is not really my favorite, uh, uh, my favorite, uh, subject. Uh, it didn't, it didn't. Are we going to unpack all that on this episode? Well, um, I think it's uh, it's a big it's a big chunk of who. Interestingly, interestingly, it's a big chunk of who I am. Considering that because because people laugh when when I say it was my Vietnam, and what's interesting about that is I was actually um, doing a lot of work. I mean, I mean, almost all of my friends were Vietnamese. I had, I had just returned from spending time in a 
Vietnamese refugee camp in the Philippines. And uh, no, we're not going to unpack it all, but we're going to unpack just a little bit. Okay. Good. Uh, so, um, uh, the the best joke in Modern Family was when was when um, Ed O'Neill said that uh, building a playhouse with his son was his Vietnam and he was in Vietnam. <laughs> uh, so so anyway, I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to make light of the experience. I was not at any point face down in a rice paddy with people shooting at me. Uh, it, I'm only using the metaphor. It was it, I got into uh, a situation that I didn't understand. Uh, Portland has a unique history that is not like a chillier California, which is honest to God what I it was expecting. Uh, it turns out it's it's much more um, uh, the sort of people who uh, like like loggers and the sort of people who don't like logging and would use the spotted owl as an excuse to not cut down the trees. And look, there's a whole there's a whole uh, serious uh, argument about the you know the, the intersection or or the the possible compromise between industry and um, environmentalism, you know, preserving the treasure of the earth, which you like and which I think will try to kill us. But um, uh, Brian, how do you find nature? Uh, fascinating. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. Uh, no, I think that amazing gets overused an awful lot. It so. does. Your dogs are part of nature, aren't they? They are. And right now, they are not amazing. What is amazing is how loud a seven-pound dog can be. Nah, see? Uh, no, I think if you'd asked most big dog owners before you pay, paid your big money for her... Um, they would have said, no, it's a yippy little thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and not yeah. yippy Cayo. So I moved to, okay, so I moved to Portland and um, it didn't turn out great for me. Uh, there is a funny poppy seed story that maybe I'll tell some other time. You obviously don't need this, but I worked with a woman who uh, was a big Seinfeld fan and um, she she felt strongly that I displayed a lot of the same qualities and characteristics as George Costanza, which I did not and 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 do not uh, take as a compliment. However, uh, the Costanza character was based on Larry David, and I think Larry David's hilarious. And you know, even though I, I'm not sure I would de describe him as a mensch. Um, I certainly see similarities between me and Larry David, but he's crabbier and drier, and George Costanza was always flipping out. But you're really the managing <laughs> expectations uh, Seinfeld expert, so... I, I don't know about that. I don't... Listen, we've known each other for a long time, and I've never made a parallel between you and George Costanza. I mean... 
You've got way more hair, first of all. <laughs> well, you're being, you're being kind. You're being generous about way. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I saw an interview, and, and, and it's, a, it's an old interview on YouTube, but it, uh, Jason Alexander was, was, uh, was being interviewed about his role as George Costanza, and he said that it took him about six or seven episodes as he was trying to figure out who George Costanza was, and, and he says, so I, I, I looked and I thought, okay, um, Woody Allen is the character that I'm going to pull from. He says, that's, that's, I'm able to kind of draw from that. And he says, but, but as the show went along, he just, he said, that he would just do things that just didn't make any sense. And, and I just didn't understand who this guy was and where he was coming from. And he says, and I brought it to attention of Larry David. And Larry David's like, no, I mean, it, that makes total sense. What are you talking about? It doesn't make sense. I did that. <laughs> And he says, he says, at that point, he says, you can actually see it. He says, and I can't remember which episode it is. It's like either episode six or seven. He says, but you can see it where I really figured out that George is based on Larry. And he says, that gave me a lot more clarity because Larry has this ultra-inflated ego of who he is. And he will stand on a soapbox and curse down everybody. And then he has this other side that is completely self-loathing. And both of those two things live right next to each other uh, all the time. And uh, then he goes on to tell tells a story about how George, uh, you know, quit his job in spectacular fashion uh, on the show and just made this, this huge display and quit his job. And then he felt bad because he needed the work. And then on the next Monday morning, he just goes into work and like, acts like he never quit. And he says, Larry, who, who, would, who would do this? And Larry's like, I did that. I did that at SNL. On a Friday night, I just lost my mind and flipped out on all the other writers, flipped out on more Michaels, on my boss, and just lost my mind. And then I went back home, and I couldn't believe what I had done. And uh, <laughs> so I went back in on Monday morning, and I'm like, what are you doing here? You quit? He says, oh, that was a joke. What, you can't take a joke? That was a joke. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh that's okay that's uh, a little more um psychoanalytically penetrating than i was prepared for the whole um combination of uh braggadocio pant load and uh self-loathing heel um i might i might need uh I might need to see if my my therapist can work me in. I don't know. <laughs> but you're nothing like him. You're nothing like that guy. So no, nothing. I, I, I wouldn't worry about it at all. He he also shared something really interesting about the structure of the sitcom, and um, he said that that when he started work first working on the show, they were going through these read throughs. He says it just didn't make any. He says, as an actor who'd been around for a while, it just didn't make any sense to me that a typical sitcom follows a formula of like you introduce problem A before the credits. So let me interrupt. Is is Jason Alexander? He's a New York guy, right? I mean, he's like a right. stage guy. Right. Really? So I mean, he had like a whole career before he got the sitcom. 
Yeah, I don't think he was super well known, but you know, he's a guy who had been around a little bit, and you know, certainly, I don't know his history, but I think you know, went to school for it and went through a lot of training, so he kind of gets the same with Julia Louis Dreyfus. That's that's my understanding. Yeah. Okay, so, I'm, uh, I'm having something to drink. You go ahead. Okay. It's it's uh it's fizzy water and Mountain Dew. Yeah, right. In these times of want, we gotta cut the Mountain Dew, <laughs> so that way there's enough to last. I'm actually cutting the fizzy water so it tastes like something. All right, good call. <laughs> so so he says that uh, that they um, they're sitting they're listening you know they're at the readings. And he says that the traditional sitcom kind of follows this formula where it's you introduce a problem A at the beginning and then you have the first set of credits. And then you start working on a resolution to A and then you maybe even introduce problem B and then you have your first commercial break. And then you wrap up problem A after the first commercial, you start to wrap up B and then you have your, your second commercial break and then you tie everything up and maybe even introduce a C um, in the final segment. He says, and that's, that's just every sitcom follows that formula. He says, but with, with Seinfeld, it was something would get introduced and then you wouldn't even address it later on at the beginning. He says, you might have A, B, and C going at the same time and then only C gets solved or then you tie up all three of them at the very end. He says, and he's like, I just, I just don't think that this is going to work. He says, and so I talked to Larry. He said, Larry, I just... I really don't understand what you and the writers are doing. <laughs> Larry's like, who cares if there's a resolution? It's funny. <laughs> I don't care about resolution. Nobody cares about resolution. They watch the show because it's funny. And uh, it's true. Nine, nine great years, you know. They made a ton of money. Uh, they did make a ton of money. And, but... Um, not great, not great, uh, I don't know, I, I, I think people do kind of like resolution, I mean, otherwise, I mean, aren't you, aren't you playing, and couldn't you say the same thing about hee-haw, where people, people don't, don't need a whole story that gets resolved, all you need is hilarious stuff, like, hey, grandpa, what's for supper, and, uh, He's a pickin' and I'm a grinning, and uh, I, I, I mean, now, now I mean, look, Jerry Seinfeld and, and um, Larry David are smart guys, and they and they went, you know, they did some great stuff, uh, but that that formula in lesser hands, yeah, that's probably why we haven't really seen it, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think that you just blew up the chances of Larry David or Jerry Seinfeld subscribing or even endorsing the Managing Expectations podcast. Well, I, I don't... By comparing their masterpiece to Yeehaw. Not, not the end result. The blueprint, which, you know... Right. You know... Trust the art, not the artist. You know... Um, see, but I think that if Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David knew that they could find managing expectations on 
Apple Podcasts as well as Podbean, they might they might find it so convenient that they would go ahead and subscribe, which is what everybody who's who's digging our shtick ought to be doing right now. Subscribing right. on Apple Podcasts, leaving a five star review, telling us what you think uh, about um, our efforts to uh, raise the bar on discourse, even while we're uh, taking advantage <laughs> of lowered lowered barriers of entry. <laughs> and also share with a friend. Don't forget that. Oh, sure. Let everybody you know know that we're we're. We are mass communicating on uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, you know, you may not be, you may not be able to buy a car or a mattress during these times of shutdown, but uh, you can subscribe to an excellent podcast and share it with your friends. Okay, we're managing expectations. A pretty good podcast. Okay, yeah, an, off, an awfully good podcast. Yeah, better than most. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. You know, look, some guys, you know, they're, you know, they're big shots. They're meeting in studios where there aren't dogs just on the other side of the double French doors of the, of the office, just off the foyer. I don't know what kind of palace you think I live in. There are no double French doors. It's a single door with eight panes of glass in it. (laughs) So it's a single French door. Right. Uh, would you would you say that would you say that that door has a certain panache, a certain savoir-faire, a certain je ne sais quoi? I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> right, like I don't know what this dog is barking at. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's a snake. Living or in mountain a, lion. Li- living in a subdivision that's encroached as far into the. Colorado foothills as yours has yeah yeah so um, uh, you know the other the other thing is and this is very very exciting we're going to be we're going to be going live on what is sure to be a very buggy um, uh, website Uh, it's uh, Pacific Century Media is the company that's been conveniently condensed to pack100media.com. That that address again is pack100media.com, and uh, uh, we're going to be building it up with uh, content from uh, uh, the great um, sidemen who are who are here on the on the Managing Expectations podcast. We're going to be putting pictures and art we're going to be selling some stuff so um very excited about the prospect particularly since um it would seem that the overall economy is going to be returning to dark ages sort of um levels of uh you know just uh toiling toiling in a feudal lord's patch of land i think we're working on a payment system where you could like pay for a piece of artwork with a five pound bag of flour. Um, <laughs> but I'm not paying shipping. 
yeah, you're on your own for shipping. <laughs> so, okay, so have you ever do, do you do you find that okay? So we, we we've thought a lot about germs. We've thought about a lot about what we touch, whether it's our face or a doorknob. Uh, you're coming out of a public restroom, and look, you don't have any confidence in the guys who went before you having washed their hands before they touched the... So uh, let me ask you, what do you... If you're in a bathroom and you don't really want to get your hand on the handle to pull the door open, how do you open the door? Uh... My standard move is I'll grab a, uh, a paper towel. Ah. Paper towel, you know, open it that way. Use your shoulder into the door. And, okay. um, and then push and out. Then take, yeah, push out and then take a paper towel and, and discard it at the nearest trash can. Okay. Um, if, if, if there isn't a handle on it, you know, sometimes you get those, those public restrooms that there, it just has a, a swinging door with no handle. Uh, uh, always shoulder, never full palm. No, no. Yeah. Um, sometimes if the door is slightly ajar, I reach up high because I'm taller than the average guy, and I try to get a, a few fingertips on the part of the door uh, up at the top. Now, I don't mm -hmm. think it's clean, but I don't think it's dirty either. And I don't think it's freshly dirty. So then I'll... I'll, yeah, I'll I'll pull it open that way. Probably a little bit of dust, but yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I I I have noticed that I'll do this like if if I can't if if there's no paper towel available if it's just air dryers only. Ah, uh, hate that. Like, what, what am I doing here? I just I'll just stand in the corner and wait for somebody else to come in. <laughs> And then make my escape, you know, slip out and make my escape. No, what I'll do is I'll, I found that I will just like use like like the hook finger on the on the handle. Okay, see, that, that, well, that's a good question. Okay, so if you use a paper towel, a lot of places have gone to placing a uh, trash can near the door for that very reason. Have but some don't. And under those circumstances, some people, I think, with an attitude, throw their paper towels on the floor. Are you That's that disgusting. guy? No way. No, I'll just take it. I mean, I'll find a trash can within 15 feet. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Just I, I, I crumple it up really small into my hand and uh, just walk till I find a trash can. It's tougher in a restaurant, but, you know, usually the restrooms are back by the the pass through between the kitchen and the front of the house anyway right so mm -hmm. just work it out yeah exactly of course we're not animals we don't throw our paper towels on the floor <laughs> what what are we savages a little <laughs> civilization please okay so you okay so the circumstance is as such you've got you've got a um uh you know a a long handle you gotta touch it somewhere you don't have gloves you don't have paper towels where on from 
so it, it you know it, it comes out mm -hmm. you know kind of curves down to a 90 degree angle then goes back in where on that handle will you touch it i go for that top 90 bend see i go okay. low do you I, okay I, well, good good <laughs> good to know that other people are touching different spots than i am <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I think I think it's more likely that somebody would come out at it from the top than the bottom, so I come at it from the bottom. Though I have no data, uh, I suppose if somebody had had a filthy dripping hand, it would almost by definition run down to the bottom. But <laughs> yeah, urine urine is heavier than air, so I think it goes downhill. So that's why I go top. Oh, well, well, listen, I didn't know you were going to be quoting Bill Nye with your urine is heavier than airs business. I don't know um, if you know this or not, but it, urine is way down on the periodic table. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a scientific abbreviation is IP. Yeah, nice. Yeah, good, yeah, that's, that's good humor. Um, uh, okay, how about this situation? You're at somebody's house, and they don't. And you, and you go to the restroom. You wash your hands. They don't have a hand towel, but they have a bath towel. What do you do? Um. Uh, see, it, it depends. Context matters. It, it certainly does. So, it, on on the closeness of friend. Yeah. Okay. So let's make it. As good a friend, a good enough friend that you would actually use their bath towel. Okay. Uh, would you ever use the bath towel? Uh, yeah, I'd pick a corner. And... Okay, you'd go corner? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going middle. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> of course you don't go middle. Cor corner's a good... No, it's... Yeah, it's good. Uh, I, I like the edge between the two narrowest corners you know like on the end mm -hmm. uh i think that the edge between the longest stretch yeah that could be that that you you could get yeah that 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 could be a tough way to go all right so so what i've seen i've seen i've seen how when the donald duck gets out of the shower what he does with the towel <laughs> You know that flossing motion? That's why I go corner. Um, out, you know, at what? Uh, what did I? Ha what did I have? It wasn't eczema. It was. It was something stupid. It was dry skin. I was using like some sort of. I was using probably Dial soap, which is exactly what I'm going to be using if our liquid soap doesn't hold out through the mm -hmm. current uh, lockdown. And my skin got all dry, and um, I I didn't know what the deal was. So I, I, I saw a doctor. He's like, oh, yeah, you don't want to, like, rub yourself dry. You want to patch yourself dry. <laughs> $75, please. <laughs> also, stop using cheap crap for soap. Yeah. <laughs> so um 
I saw I saw something interesting today. Um, a guy said, you know, nobody nobody washes their hands correctly. Like everybody thinks that they do. You know, they count to twenty or they you know they sing a stupid song or whatever when they wash their hands. He says, but the vast majority of people don't know how to are doing it right. And so he said, so somebody should should invent like a thing for public restrooms or even at your home where it's like it's got you know. The technology's there. The sensors are there to see, make sure that you're holding your hands underneath there long enough, and that then you get like a green light when, when you've uh, when you've done it properly. That's interesting. Um, there's actually a toothbrush called Quip, which uh, aggressively uh, advertises on other podcasts. And I'm sure that they'll get to us eventually. Now that we're on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And and even at, as we work on Stitcher and Spotify and other fine platforms, but Google Google Play Store, Google Play, yeah. Google, Google Play. <laughs> so um, the, the thing about so apparently like you know like it'll vibrate after thirty seconds on one like uh, I mean if you figure you got inside and outside four sections of your mouth quadrants uh, for yeah but but you actually have inside and outside so each quadrant has two so you actually have eight and what would that be that would that would be an octogen are you serious mm. okay Maybe. i guarantee you you've taken more geometry than i have <laughs> Uh, uh, I, yeah, I I essentially in high school, which was as 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 many people know, was a very dysfunctional time for me. But um, I essentially had a geometry teacher say, "You're too screwed up for math. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't deserve to be here." So she pointed you in the direct direction of the creative writing class. So, yeah, yeah. So I think I cracked a beer open and went to creative writing. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what it's. I don't. I don't know what it's called. Octogent. That, that that's not a word. It it almost sounds like someone in the imperial imperial court. What's a docent? Uh, I'm gonna find out. An octogent is a uh, very snazzily dressed octopus. Okay, is that the best you could do? Because I misspelled docent coming out of the gate. Uh, I also got a lot of Russian. If you're a docent, you're a teacher at a college or university. In most countries, you'd rank right below a professor. So that's not it. Well, anyway. Octants. Well, this is a lot of this is a lot of money talking about a thing that doesn't advertise on us. So I'm ready to move on. But yeah, sure. No, you gotta, no, you gotta, you gotta wash briskly. Now I did hear that um, uh, you know the, the friction is helpful, um, but that it's actually detergent, which is breaking things down. And so hot or cold water isn't as important as soap. Soap is, it turns out, pretty important. How you like them apples? It's good stuff. Yeah. Valuable information. 
once this whole thing is over, I give it two weeks where people just go back to uh, just giving their hands a quick flash of water and then drying it off on their jeans. I, I, I have to say, it's like Louis Pasteur lived for nothing. Um, there's very, very few uh, uh, moments as discouraging as a trip to a public restroom and just seeing a guy um, head straight from the urinal to the door and out, you know, you, you get it a lot in convenience stores, but surprisingly in restaurants and just other places. It's it is at best disappointing. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't know. Would, would Larry David yell at the guy? Yes. Every time? Probably. Okay. Hey, did you, do you know anyone who saw the uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm with John Hamm this year? Mm -mm. No. I don't. People, I haven't, uh, yeah, you, I haven't you, seen you, that you, you, have, you have no working familiarity. That's fine. Uh, I heard it was. I heard it was good. I heard John and Ham was good. He's, you know, it's it's funny after uh, his dramatic roles, and of course he's so handsome uh, that uh, it turns out he's a really funny guy. Though he's made some really bad that tag movie where like guys play tag, like like childhood friends. It's based on a true story. Well, um. Uh, maybe I, play, I played tag. Nobody made a movie about that. Um, I gotta say, um, I'm probably as impressed by that story, uh, it being based on a true story, as were all the reviewers who hated it. <laughs> the, but the you know the stuff that he's funny in, he's he's pretty funny. Uh, you know he was he was doing some stuff on SNL every once in a while. He's pretty funny in that. Uh, he, he played the guy who put the women in the uh, bunker in um, Amazing Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? Gary Wayne Gary or Wayne Gary Wayne? I remember those names because my uncle's name was Gary Wayne. <laughs> Isn't that... I didn't try to explain it to the family. I just didn't think they'd get it. Uh, I think that took place. Did, did that take place in Indiana? Isn't that where the compound was? Uh, the yeah, the Kimmy Schmidt um, <laughs> uh, fictitious compound was in Indiana, which is where um, uh, my people historically spent uh, several generations. Um, having come from Pennsylvania, among the Pennsylvania Dutch. They they got to Indiana, said the farmland's great. We can, they didn't know about Miami yet, so they thought that the winters weren't that bad. They were wrong. <laughs> uh, the Reverend Richard Wayne Gary Wayne. <laughs> Richard Wayne Gary Wayne. Um, there was, there was that thing, the, the, oh, um, in, it's like in season two of, uh, Justified, they, uh, the guy who, uh, abducts Loretta, 
because he's got a thing for underage girls. But he had three first names. I can't remember what they were, but um, um, the guy who shot Martin Luther King was um, James Earl Ray. Mm -hmm. So, so there's there's a whole um, there's a whole thing about guys with three first names. Mm, this is this is this is tough, but. Um, we're going to be, um, I'm going to, uh, you know, just like the most professional podcasts, the, the, what you would expect of a of an Apple podcast um, level. Caliber? Yeah. Ca an, an Apple podcast caliber production. Uh, I've got incoming phone calls and one that I will have to get back to as soon as possible. But... Um, uh, we're we're really looking forward to uh, busting some things out in the next couple of weeks uh, via www.pac100media.com. The official and that's P-A-C, that's, that's P-A-C, the number 100.com, correct? That is correct, Brian. Thank you. I was made that unclear because it could have been P-A-K-O-N-E. H U N D R E D M E D I A dot com. And that would have been a winning, that would have been a winning. I look, believe me, I second guess pack100media.com. Um, I bet you could have got that other one for like 99 cents a year on GoDaddy. <laughs> Uh, it's so hard. They make it sound so easy to put a website together, and it's just so hard. It's ridiculous. Yeah. No. I mean, it's like, oh, it's just cut and paste, super easy, no problem. But um, here we are. So, look, uh, it's not, let's face it, people, it's not like you're commuting. Uh, you're not going anywhere. But um, uh, when this is, what, you're going somewhere? Uh no, and neither and neither are we. We will continue to be here. Yeah, and we're going to keep it uh, in the vicinity of uh, forty to sixty minutes, um, so as to cover your commute. Um, of course, until a third of the American workplace returns to uh, work, uh, your commute may have just become fifteen minutes. So, uh, in which case, we're going to carry it for a couple of days. You're welcome. America. Right. Doing our part. You're welcome. <laughs> That's right. You're, uh, okay. So I'll I tell you what, though, before we left, so, so William Wyler, William Wyler, uh, last time we were talking about the big country mm -hmm. and, uh, which you think your wife, Mrs. Grimm, would enjoy, I think you would both enjoy it. Um, Burl Ives is great. What's what I found interesting about this is that the the screenplay was based on a book by Don Pendleton called The Big Country and I I actually own the paperback. It was a straight to paperback kind of book. Don Pendleton is the guy who would, in the 60s um put his name on these um, kind of lurid 
uh, men's adventures like it was either Mac Bolan or the destroyer but it was kind of like a James Bond kind of men's adventure serial have you ever seen these I haven't no no okay like when I was a kid uh, there was a girl on my street and her dad had all of them and there are hundreds I mean they like they're, they're like um, uh, like the ladies read serial romances and and while these have fallen out of favor um, or I guess I should say popularity um, I mean guys still read uh, people still read um, ongoing adventures characters um, uh, you know, Harlan Coben, uh, certainly Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan was an ongoing character. and Dirk Pitt. Dirk Pitt of Clive Cussler. Kurt, Clive Cussler's Dirk Pitt. He recently, he recently passed away, didn't he? Did he? Mm -hmm. he I know he, he had been, um, uh, he had been uh, co-writing for some time. Right. Um including a guy named Thomas Perry, who my wife is a huge fan of this guy. I like Thomas Perry. I reviewed um, a book of his for a local um, uh, daily newspaper. Uh, that, that shows you how old I am. I still remember daily newspapers. But um, uh, they... Actually, it was it. I, I did write the review. It would the review was not. I can't remember if it was published or not, but it was the last work I ever did for them. Either way, and I'll tell you why. Because while I like the book, the villain's name, and he was a bad guy, but you know he was a sociopath or whatever. Uh, and I liked the hero, who was like. Who was like John D. McDonald's Travis, Travis McDonald, Travis uh, McGee, only without like the houseboat and the 1960s Playboy philosophy. Okay, so he was a good hero and a good villain, but the villain's name was James Varney. <laughs> Give it a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean, Vern? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So I said, and I think that this is a valid concern. I mean, like, look, you can't, you can't anticipate every stupid connotation to the name of, uh, of a character in, in your work of imaginative fiction. But I think that if it is the formal name of the guy who brings the world, Ernest Goes to Camp, um, you should probably pass make him make him john varney make him whatever john, jim carney anything practically anything else not but you know so or just, uh, or just come up with something totally obscure like uh don't anton anton sugar and anton sugar is uh is a really unusual name. It, it, that's wild that like people don't know, like nobody knows how to pronounce that name. 
Is it sugar? Well, at some point in the book, somebody somebody uses the name and somebody hears it as sugar. There's like a little thing in right. the book, like so even even the characters in the book who are hearing the name aren't exactly sure. I liked your pronunciation of it. I'm not trying to put you in your place. It adds to the uh, mystery of the guy. Yeah. Nobody knows what, what he is or even how to say his name. Well, he is evil incarnate is who he is. Because what's the most you've ever... How's that line go? What's the most... What's the most you've ever wagered on a coin flip? Is that what it was? What's the most you've ever lost on a coin flip? Uh, I'm probably screwing it. It's something like that. Yeah. Wow. That was that's just one of the creepiest, creepiest scenes. Yeah. That had so many, uh, you know. And I okay. So we we haven't really talked about this on the podcast. It's been several years since I've read No Country for Old Men, and I'd like to read it again. And my thing with No Country for Old Men is this. Um, uh, for the first hundred pages, and even longer, I mean, it's like a 300 and some page book. So um, I'm thinking, how is this not genre fiction? Other than uh, Cormac McCarthy, the author's... Um, refusal to use quotation marks which mm -hmm. I don't love and neither do your dogs um, other other than his refusal to use quotation marks how is this not genre fiction how is this different from whatever Ed McBain or Michael Connolly or you know um, you know any of the hundred guys that are perfectly respectable writers um, who who write recurring characters or you know write uh, suspense or action based fiction you know and um, I, I'm reading it along and I'm you know I'm first of all there were unbelievable twists and turns mm -hmm. um, when the guy who gets hired by the big shot in the sky rise in Houston shows up and he talks to um, Llewellyn Moss in the hospital after he gets shot up and he comes across with so much confidence you just know that this is going for a great shootout you know some sort of great shootout with him and uh, Anton the bad guy right. uh, plus you got the grizzled old Tommy Lee Jones-esque I wonder if he was written, if that character was written with Tommy Lee Jones, you know, in mind, because that, that does yeah. seem like pretty masterful um, uh, casting for the movie. But um, there's just there's just ten different ways you think that that book's going to go, and it never did. But but what's more important, what what's more impressive to me, is the way that in like the last hundred pages. McCar Cormac McCarthy, the author, raises up, that book raises up like a colossus and covers all sorts of matters of good and evil and free will and, um, y you know, fatalism. And it just knocked, it just knocked my socks off. 
I mean, it's yeah. like, oh, that's why it's literary fiction, you idiot, I said to myself. <laughs> when when Llewellyn Moss is is killed by the you know, by the cartel's gang that, that gets sent up. A spoiler alert to reader uh, yeah. listeners who haven't read it. Way to go, Brian. Um I went back and reread those three pages probably ten times thinking that didn't just happen, did it? Like, like what did I miss? What yeah, like I had to have missed something because he was supposed to have a battle with like you said, some yeah. kind of ultimate finale at the end, but it, it just did not go that way. And and I I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yep. And that's funny because I was just thinking the other day, <clears throat> I was thinking of um uh, that scene in Justified between um, uh, uh, Raylan and I think Danny Crow. He's the one with the knife. Uh, Danny Danny Crow. It's not Danny. I thought it was Danny. But, well, it might have uh, been the Florida accent. Yeah. So he always he you know he could throw a knife. And he always had this thing, which you never saw. He mentioned it in the first episode. He mentioned it later with the Haitian character. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it came up several times in preceding episodes. And now the marshal and a bad guy who's just suffered loss. And he's ready to um, get get down and so it's a 20 foot rule so what what they're what they implied was that within 20 feet a man who's good with a knife could be as fast and as deadly as a man drawing a gun mm -hmm. which seems dubious particularly when the man with the gun is railing givens but but you know really almost anybody i mean what do you i mean maybe you could throw a knife but if you're just running so then when when the so was it danny it, it was danny okay yeah. don't ever argue with me again so, <laughs> so so when danny crow dies the way he dies I, I i think you just you end up saying wow that's probably what happens in real life more than uh, dramatic, you know, showdowns, you know, right. it's not all, uh, tombstone. It's not all gunfight at the okay corral. And I think that's why, um, uh, well, you know, certainly, I mean, and, and, and Cormac McCarthy's very existential. I mean, you know, when, when the road is your feel good book, uh, you've, you've got a particular bend to your tone. Um, right. But, you know, I, 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 I liked, I liked that in justified a show, a show that I enjoyed and I liked it in, um, you know, in other, in other things it surprise you. They don't always make the obvious choice. It's, it's a nice way to go. 
Um, right. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking for, you know, so um, another show that was similar to that uh, was was uh, Josh, not Josh, that's the senator, Noah Hawley's um, Fargo. Uh, Noah Har- Hawley's Fargo, which Noah, is on Noah Hawley. What? Yeah, I just said Noah Hawley, which um, isn't that wasn't that supposed to come out in the next week? Uh, yeah, for sure, and it won't because they didn't finish uh, filming it all before the COVID lockdown shutdown. So they've got several episodes in the can, but they're not going to start showing it until I mean, so so that could be a mess. And honestly, we may never we may never see it. But it, it sounds fascinating, and I, I you know, Fargo's too rough for Mrs. Winger, and I'm I don't want to. I don't want to sear her conscience by, you know, really, you know, like, what's the matter? Scared? Why don't you watch it? Um, But it it is a fascinating time. Um, We lived in Kansas City for five years. Uh, The winters were horrible, though, as it turns out, Kansas City is the garden spot of the entire American Midwest. People come from Des Moines and Green Bay just to bask in the relative warmth of Kansas City, Missouri. But it was a place that was mobbed up as late as the 70s. As late as the 70s, uh, Italian gangs and black gangs were blowing stuff up. I mean, so, you know, this wasn't like, you know, post-crack gangsta crime. Uh, This was like, like really... Okay, so look, uh, crack and... You know, I've seen enough clips on YouTube of The Wire to understand that there's a level of sophistication to, you know, modern urban uh, uh, gang operations. However, um, it's not, um, uh, it, you know, it's 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 different from what the Italians were doing back east and in right. other cities. And so um, the, these these two groups came to came to blows and came to a head and um, tensions came to a head I, and uh, I have high hopes for it if we ever see it but um, yeah, I would uh, settle for uh, relative health a restoration to um, uh, economic normality and uh, being able to um, you know go eat a pizza in once in a while Right. Uh, yeah, but you know, everybody's saying that we've we've hit the peak, and uh, we'll see. We'll give it another week. Okay. Well, is that what you think? No. <laughs> it's going to be another sixty days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thank you, Ella. I I, I was I was really worried <laughs> that. Um, I was really worried that you believed that nonsense. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's unbelievable. Well, anyway, uh, but uh, we've talked about some uh, books and uh, some TV and some um, uh, stuff to think about. So um, let's uh, wrap up this particular, this uh, ninth episode of uh, Managing Expectations, a production of the Pacific Century Media Company. Uh, We can be found at 
PAC, PAC, PAC 100, the number 100, PAC 100, media.com. Or, and this seems likelier, you could find us on Apple Podcasts. You can go to Podbean and uh, find us there. Um, we got some good, we got some new good artwork, a painting that I, uh, um, uh, a modern painting that I did, um, that my wife didn't like. So I gave it to a woman that I used to work with and she's going to be having a baby in the next month or so. So, um, wow, she's probably got some things on her mind. Um, but uh, I hope that she still enjoys seeing Elvis's Kitchen, which is the name of that uh, painting, um, uh, on the uh, on our wall uh, from time to time. I should uh, follow up. She sent me. I sent her an email. She sent me one. But um, you know, I'm sorry. I'm drawing this out too long. I, I you know it. I agonize over an email for like two and a half weeks, making sure that every word is perfect and. Um, just just hits with the right emotional tone and impact and then other people write emails back to me every bit as good in like a half hour so um, <laughs> sometimes sometimes people just want to say hi <laughs> there's a line in what the West Wing uh, Bartlett says uh, in my family people that use one word when they should be using when they could be using ten just aren't trying <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, that'll be it for this uh, episode of Managing Expectations. We look forward to your subscription, your free subscription, and your uh, five-star review. Uh, this is Jeff Winger. This is Brian Grimm. All right, we got lots to do, people. Let's go to work. <laughs>